Welcome to Word of Life Podcast. We believe in loving God, loving people, and changing lives. For more information about Word of Life and how you can connect and be a part of it, please visit wordoflifechristian.org. The Lord put this in my spirit. It's a simple phrase. I want you to hold on to this and remember this. When life is spoken... Death is broken. Hear me. When life is spoken, death is broken. Amen? What do you mean, Pastor Michael? I mean, when you begin to declare God's word, not Michael's words, when you begin to declare God's word, you begin to declare life. And when you declare life, death has no place. Death has no place. Amen? Come on, amen? This is a house where you are allowed to talk back. If you are visiting, welcome. We're glad to have you. Yes, we are crazy. Yes, we do love God. And yes, we are not shy about it. So uh, I want to say thank you for our sisters that we met the other day at the golf tournament. Thank you, Kaya, for being here tonight and being a part of what God is doing. We're honored to have you. Amen. We got Pastor Arthur and Pastor Lena from Durango with us here tonight. He's a crazy firecracker too, right? So let's give it up for them in the house. I don't know who else is here tonight, right, for the giftings on their life. We've got others. As Pastor Barbara said, we got T.G. and his family, and we're just honored. God's doing some great stuff in the house, and so we're just thankful. Go with me. I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 15. Worship team, please don't go very far. I won't be very long this evening. But there's something I feel the Lord has put in my spirit for tonight. You go to 1 Kings chapter 15, or chapter 19, excuse me, starting in verse 15. But as you go there and get prepared, I'm going to read to you out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. And it reads this. It's a very familiar passage. It says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. It goes on to read, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. Verse 5, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. Verse 6, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away. Verse 7, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. You've heard this passage many times over. It is very much summed up in verse 1 that there's a time for everything in life, even things we don't understand. There's a time that God has planned and positioned in all of our lives that he has ordained our steps. There are are moments and interactions and relationships in our lives that God has designed and created with purpose and destiny. Sunday night, if you were with us, God moved in an amazing way. My brother, George, let it rip in the house. 
and he let the Lord use him. And, and, and I want to remind you, as I walked along beside him and he prayed and, and he was prophetically speaking into lives and declaring and he thought he was done and more people came and he just began to pour out and pour out. But I was listening to some of the prophetic words that were being released. And there were, listen, it had to be God because he didn't know your stories. He didn't know your life. And I was so thankful that it was him that God was using and not me in that moment because some of the things, I'm like, yep, he's on, he's on, he's hearing from the Lord right now. But I want to also remind you that when a prophetic word is released to you, it is an opportunity for you to partner with it, to pray into it, to align with it. You still have a responsibility to do something in obeying the voice of the Lord as he ministered on Sunday night. So I just want to make sure that's very clear. He and I were talking about it after the fact, and, and, and he said, man, that's you. You've got to remind them. And I said, I am. Anytime God speaks something into your life, you have an opportunity to listen, receive, accept, pray, and go forward. I know many people that have received prophetic words and it never come to pass because they turned and walked away from the Lord because they gave up on God's promise, because they stopped pursuing after the Father. But in Ecclesiastes, there's a time and a season for everything. But, but when I read verse 6, there's something that stuck out to me. It says a time to search, a time to quit searching. And then the latter half of that says a time to keep and a time to throw away. Think about that. You ever cleaned your house? My wife is a machine mainly because she has to be because I'm always bringing something home, piling it up, putting it here, putting it there. She's like, I don't even know what to do with your stuff. I'm like, don't touch it. That's what you do with it. Just leave it alone. It's mine. But oftentimes we, we gather things in life and then we come to a point where we realize that some of the things we've gathered are not as important as we thought they were. They don't have the purpose that they once had they've lost the zeal that they once had they they no longer you no longer have the affection that you once had for it or maybe you bought something and it went out of style and instead of holding on to it till it comes back in style because that happens right any of you that are 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and more mature than that you've seen fads come and go right but oftentimes we gather stuff but there comes a point when some of that stuff gets so much we're like we got to get rid of it and sometimes what was once valuable is no longer valuable. Sometimes what, what, once, what once meant something great in our life no longer does. And we'll give it away. We'll throw it away. We'll give it to the kids to play with. The thing that they could never touch when you first brought it home, I don't care, just take it, whatever. And they break it in the first few minutes, and instead of getting mad and flipping out, you're like, whatever, no big deal. But there's also a time when we get stuff and we're supposed to hold on to it. A lot of us, in the natural, we hold on to like heirlooms and things to remember loved ones by or to remember experiences by or accomplishments by. Like some of you, like in high school, you were a stud, right? You was like the athlete, you were the star, you got all the awards, or you were the competitor, and maybe you were a wrestler, maybe you were a golfer, maybe basketball, baseball, uh, water polo I don't know man maybe 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 whatever right maybe the arm wrestling champ I don't know but you won all these awards and you got them and they're on a wall still displayed or maybe you've got them and they're tucked away in a in a keepsake and it's a box and your wife gets ready to throw that no 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 that's my stuff I got to keep that I got to remember those days 
And we got to remember that seasons come and go in life and things come and go in life. But something that does not come and go in life is the constant thing that God has for us, which is purpose. The thing that God designed and created us for. My wife so graciously stood up here earlier and she talked about how God formed us from the dust of the earth and he created a woman from, from, from Adam. He created her from Eve from his rib and how God designed things and every one of our lives have purpose and destiny attached to them and they're designed for something and something that we must remember with that purpose comes seasons. With that purpose comes timing. With that purpose comes things that you've got to let go of and things you've got to hold on to. See, oftentimes the theme this year, let go for camp meeting as we're celebrating 27 years of ministry, it's purposeful. It's purposeful. You're here asking the staff and working on creating like a memorial wall and I probably let the cat out of the bag too soon and if I did, Pastor Barbara will get on me later but she's not in here right now so don't tell her. Of just some of the quotes that my father used to say as a founding pastor of this ministry. If I asked you, you could start shouting them out, right? Somebody shout out just one real quick. Huh? Have faith in God. He said it many times over, Mark eleven twenty two, 22, right? He'd say, I'm more blessed than a bear in a honey jar. Right? You guys remember that one? I was thinking as Pastor Barbara was so graciously receiving the tithes and offerings as you continue to worship the Lord and that he'd say anything, beaks a blank. Do something, right? He had all these great quotes and sayings and it's something that we are going to hold on to. We couldn't hold on to him because he had a season in life. But we can hold on to the legacy that he left. Why? Because the legacy that he left had purpose. Why? Because that legacy transferred to you and I to help us fulfill the purpose that God created us. You're not in these seats by accident tonight. I don't care if you're visiting. I don't care if, you're, if this is where you call home. But you're here with purpose. You're here because God created and designed you. You're here because God has a plan and a season for all of our lives. And what God is doing in this moment, yeah, it may look a little different than it always has, but God has his hand on it. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Starting in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came. This is the Lord is talking to Elijah at this moment. He's already been through Mount Carmel. He's already ran for, from Jezebel. And now the Lord is speaking to him. And the Lord told him, he says, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mahola to replace you as my prophet. Many of you, when you hear the name Elijah, you think about the showdown at Mount Carmel. You think about this, this man who was considered the last prophet of the Lord facing the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, facing the entire nation. And here's a man that would stand up for the kingdom. He would express faith in God in a moment when most of us would cower and walk away. And he would see God show up and win this battle but that same man went tucking his tail and running when, Je when, when Jezebel started touting she was going to kill him 
He just won the most significant battle of the time, and now all of a sudden he's scared by one. And now he's in places he shouldn't be, and now he's interacting with the Lord, and the Lord has given him some instruction, and part of his instruction was to find Elisha. Part of his instruction was your season's about to change. Part of his instruction was is I've got some plans for you, and the only way they're fulfilled is obedience. The only way they're fulfilled is to hear what I'm saying and to do something about it. So in verse 19, we see it says, So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulder and then walked away. Verse 20, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. Verse 21, so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Elijah has been given an instruction, and for most of us, instruction is difficult in life. Because oftentimes God will ask us to do something that we don't really want to. Let somebody else do that, God. That's not convenient. That's not fun. I don't know how. I'm not equipped. I'm not ready. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. You know my past. You know my history. You know where I've been, Lord. Like, I can't do that. Here's Elisha who says, wait a second. Lord, you told me to do it. I'm going to do it. But the thing we have to remember in life is that God doesn't do anything without purpose behind it. He doesn't, he doesn't orchestrate our steps without there being a purpose. Many of you heard me say on Sunday, uh, uh, my buddy George and I, we, we, we crossed paths. We used to have church in a school. It was a church plan, and, and they would set up and tear down every week. And I don't even know why I was walking out, but I was walking down this, this like four-year hallway area. It's like outside there. A lot of the schools, you got to walk from one building to another down there in Florida. And, and I'm walking down, and here comes this family, and nice and proper and looking good, and our paths cross. I introduce myself, meet them. But I didn't know in that moment the Sunday night was in the works. I didn't know in that moment that my life would change in Florida because of that interaction and that meeting. I didn't know because of that moment that opportunities would come into my life because of the obedience of two different men from two different places in life. Look different, sound different, act different. Sometimes, sometimes we act alike. But God knew what he was doing in that moment. Just like God knows what he's doing tonight with you being here. And when God called Elijah to find his replacement, he had a choice to make. He had a choice to say, yes, Lord, or wait a second. I'm not ready for no replacement. I'm not ready for somebody else to take my place. 
See, oftentimes in life we forget that when God has plans and he has seasons, and if you remember there's a time for everything, there are moments and times in life for all of us. My father, Pastor Ford, had a moment in time on this earth where he fulfilled his calling as a minister of the gospel, as a pastor of this house, as a man that went all across this reservation in the land, and he would take the truth of the gospel, and he would love, and he would see signs and wonders take place, but even he wasn't going to live forever on this earth now many wished he would it's not biblical it's not God God has seasons for everything and oftentimes when seasons change instead of us saying yes Lord we say wait a minute I'm not ready for that Wait a minute, that's not how I planned it, God. Wait a minute, that's not how it's always been done. Wait a minute, God, that's not what I, what I thought it would be. Wait a minute, God, like we, we didn't discuss this. You didn't seek my approval, God. Can I remind you of something tonight? He don't need your approval. He's God. We are not. But what we must understand, as much as, as, as he loves us, sometimes, if you remember the word of God, is to do what? It's to show us what's wrong. It's to correct us and equip us according to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So we must understand something that God already knows who we are. He knows what we need. He knows the seasons of our life. And everything that he has planned has purpose. Why? Because his purpose is that we would not perish that we would turn our hearts to him, that we would be ambassadors for his kingdom, that we would see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we would take the very model prayer that Jesus prayed in Matthew 6 and, and we would take it and we would apply it and we would do it all for his glory, not all for what we can get. Elijah and Elisha, he says, ha, your time is up. You've got to find your replacement. How would you feel if the Lord came to you today and say, it's time to find your replacement. You're about to be out. Think about that. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, Lord, I just like, got here. Like, what you talking about? Well, my father called me in November of 2019. He asked me to come home, and we prayed about it. My wife was ready before I was. Honestly, I'm just being real. I didn't like Florida weather, but I liked some of the conveniences there. I was thankful for the opportunities. I said, okay, Lord, coming. And what we considered a long-term plan, I believe my father was, knew it was going to be a short-term plan. And we started planning things, but what we planned, we planned years, not months. But that's how God works. He works on his timetable, not ours. And we must remember something that in your life, when you think back on it and you think where you are today and where you've been and what you've been through and, 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 and the interactions you've had and the relationships you've had and the seasons you've had, some of those seasons weren't God-ordained because they were just because we made bad decisions. Let's be real. But sometimes we go through some stuff because it was God planned. See, I'm reminded of Paul in Philippians 1. What did he say? He said, everything in my life has built a platform. And I'm paraphrasing in this moment for the gospel to go out. 
He said, the prison guards know who Jesus is. The, the believers are strengthened because of me being here in chains. Paul had to understand something, that the season he was in wasn't the season he desired, but he knew that he was doing something that was right for the glory and the honor of God. And even though he had to suffer because of that in the natural, it did not matter to him because what mattered to him was that if God's will be done, his kingdom come, lives change. That's all that mattered to Paul. That's all that mattered. And we have to ask ourselves, is that what matters to us? Is that what's important to us? Is it what you want, God, or is it what I want? What's more important? Is it what you desire or is it what I desire? Is it your timing or is it mine? Oftentimes we think God knows less than best. How is that true if he knows everything about us and if he's, he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, he created and designed it all. How can we ever say, God, this isn't the right season or the right time? Think about that. But how many times have you asked God, why am I here? Why do I have to do this? Why am I going through this? Oftentimes, with a fist or a pointed finger, or it's your fault. Or He's like, wait, 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 it's not my fault. You made X, Y, Z decision. You chose to push back on what I've instructed you to do. And then other times, we've blamed God because we didn't like his plan. You see, that's the great thing about God. You don't have to like his plan. You just have to trust that his plan is perfect, right? Joseph trusted a plan that didn't make sense. Joseph went through some crazy stuff, but if he did not go through this, he would not go through that. He would not have been prepared to be second in command because he learned some things along the way. So Elijah goes and finds Elisha. He listens to the voice of the Lord. And when you go over to 2 Kings 2, verses 1 through 15, I'm not going to read all of it. But here we see that Elijah is about to be taken. He's about to be taken up to heaven. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel but Elisha replied as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live I will never leave you again in verse 4 Elijah, Elijah said to Elisha stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho but Elisha replied again as sure as the Lord lives and you yourself I will never leave you so they went on together to Jericho again in verse 6 then Elijah said to Elisha stay here for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River but again Elisha replied as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live I will never leave you so they went on together. In verse 7, 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance. As Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River, then Elijah folded his cloak together, struck the water with it, then the river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. Verse 9, and they came to the other side. Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share one translation says a double portion of your spirit and become your successor. Verse 10, you've asked a very difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taken, then you from, taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. And as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Verse 12, Elisha 
saw it and cried out, My father, my father. I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elijah and Elisha both know something in this story. They know that one is coming to an end and one is about to start. They know that their lives are about to significantly change. They understand that the seasons in their life aren't going to be what they've been for the last while. That something significant is coming. And it was so important for Elisha that when he wanted to go back and kiss his mother and father, he didn't even go back. He burned it all, fed him, and he went. It was so important that when Elijah tried to get him to leave his side, he said, wait a second. No, 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 no. You, you, the Lord had you choose me to be my, your successor. I'm staying right by you. I'm learning everything I can. I'm holding on to what I see in you. I'm going to be by your side. I'm going to see how God works in and through your life because I want to understand what God is calling me to. And Elijah, on the other hand, knew that Elisha was his replacement. Elisha was going to change. Elisha was going to do something else. Elijah didn't have much longer in that moment, in that season in his life. And I began to thank God. We talk about seasons and we talk about times and oftentimes when we hear the word seasons, we think about summer, fall, winter, spring and how they're divided depending on the area of the country you live in and, and, and they're months at times but there are seasons in life where there may be days, weeks, months or years of time and in those seasons there's always purpose see what these two men understood something is that one had a season to invest into another one and the other one had a season to hold on and learn from one Elijah knew that his responsibility was to teach Elisha how to hear from God, how to walk by faith, how to be a prophet to a nation. He understood that, that his, his command on his life was to not leave a void when his time was up. Oftentimes in life we forget that our seasons have purpose we forget that that our interactions with others have purpose we forget that no matter where we've been in life that that God can take that season or that situation even if it wasn't his intention and he can turn it around for his glory he can turn it around to make something good about it he can take what the enemy went, meant for wrong as my father would often pray Lord take what the enemy meant for wrong and turn it around for your glory and many of us have been through those moments where God has turned it around. Many of you sitting here today, many of you engaged online are here because you understand something, that if it were not for the Lord, your life would not have changed. If it were not for the Lord, your circumstances wouldn't be different. If it were not for the Lord, you would not be alive today. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on, don't be quiet about what God's done in your life. When I look around this room, so many of you, so many of you, some I know better than others, but what I do know is all of you are sons and daughters of the King. What I do know is that God has a plan for every one of you. What I do know is that you're in a season right now and no matter how hard the season is or what the season looks like God is the author and finisher of our faith and when we submit it to him no matter how we got there he can use it for his glory he can use it to make an impact he can use it to make a difference see what you've got to understand is that Elijah had done some great things but Elisha was going to do some great things as well Elijah though had to be willing to let go of the season he was in 
the things that God had called him to do to make room for Elisha who had to let go of his familiar and go into the unknown to fulfill what God had called him to do two men at two different places in life both anointed both called by God both having seasons both of them needing each other both of them understanding that, that what you have I need if you have it and I need it I better latch on I better latch on but here's the interesting thing in order for Elisha to latch on to Elijah what did he have to do he had to let go of everything that he was used to he had to let go of what his day to day was he had to let go of where he was living he had to let go of, of all the work that he was doing he burned his animals and, and, he fit, and he's feeding everybody he, 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 as some would say he burnt his ship now Pastor Eddie is a good friend of mine some of you met, have known him met him whatever he was at the golf course but we were playing golf the other day and you guys can tell on me when you see him I'll tell on myself when I talk to him but he's a pretty amazing man. He can play golf with right-handed or left-handed. That's pretty impressive if you know how hard it is to play golf. And uh, we were playing the other day, and he was playing left-handed. And he was having a less than stellar day for himself, and he was not happy with the results of his golf game that day. And if you are a golfer, you understand how that can be. One day it can be, this is great, and one day you can be like, I'm giving this sport up. It's bad. And I was kind of joking with him and messing with him. I said, Pastor Eddie, you got to burn a ship, man. you got to figure out, are you going to play left-handed or are you going to play right-handed? What are you going to do? <laughs> and he got frustrated with me, and he's like, what do you mean i got to burn a ship? I'm like, you got to decide, are you going to be all in left-handed or right-handed? Because you keep going back and forth. You're never going to excel the way you desire to. And many times in our life, as I was harassing him, I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about where I've been and where I am now and thinking about how oftentimes the war that goes on in my mind and you can relate if you're honest the war that goes on in your mind about do I do this or do I do this do I go back here or do I go over here do I take two steps forward or do I take two steps to the left what do I do and all of this stuff is going on in your mind and then confusion comes and God isn't the author of confusion the Bible says the enemy is trying to confuse and hold back the children of God in these last days and these last hours because he understands that there are, there are assignments that you and I were called to fulfill but we will not fulfill the assignments we won't do it if all we do is worry about what could be versus what God has planned oftentimes we look at this will go wrong and that will go wrong and what if this happens and what if that happens and what if I don't get a job and what if I get the wrong job and what if I have the wrong relationship and what if I don't end up in the right place at the right time and what, what, what if I lose this and what if I lose that and we look at all the what if goes wrong instead of saying God you've planned it out I don't have to worry about anything I just need to trust you trust you trust you trust you One of the greatest ways we honor God is trust. You've heard me say it. You heard me say it on Sunday morning here to stop looking 
Stop looking at what you see. Start trusting the Lord. Start putting your faith in the Lord. So here's Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha understands that, listen, I've got to hold on to this man. I've got to leave everything that's familiar with me so that I can fulfill what God has called me to do. You know what the cool thing is? As you continue to read in that story, we understand the charioteer comes. It divides. And now all of a sudden, Elisha knew that Elijah was about to be taken. He knew the people were telling him, look, your master's about to be taken. Look, he's about, he's about, be quiet about it. Shut up. Don't worry about it. And then it happens. And he was prepared for it, but what does it say he does? In verse 12, it says, he saw it and he cried out, my father, my father. I see the chariots in the charioteers of Israel. And they disappeared from sight, and he tore his clothes. In what? Distress. He knew something was coming. He knew a shift was coming. A change was coming. He knew that God had called him. He knew that Elijah was, was supposed to relinquish this purpose and this destiny, a, a, a role of a prophet over to him. And, and, he was supposed to, and even though he knew it, when the moment came, he freaked out for a minute. He's like, wait a second, I wasn't ready. God, I, God, look, look, I know, but not today, God. Not now, God. Like, 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 I understand that it's coming, but, but what I don't understand is it's now, Lord, and, and all of a sudden these emotions and these feelings begin to run rapid, and he cries out, and he's worried for just a moment, though. Because the next verse, in verse 13, says, Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. Verse 15, When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what had happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. They went and met him and bowed to the ground before him. We've got to understand something. That in order for, for seasons to be fulfilled in our lives, in order for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done, life is about change. It's about process. And oftentimes, it takes the faith in God to let go of where you are to get to where he wants to take you. It takes getting away from what's so familiar and comfortable and saying, God, you're so important and I trust you and I love you so much that I'm not going to stay here anymore Elisha cried out for just a moment then what did he do he went and picked up the cloak he went and picked up the very mantle and he goes and he strikes the water and it divides just like it did for Elijah and in that moment he remembered God's purpose in my life is about to be fulfilled. God's destiny in my life is about to take off. You know, I think about Jesus and the disciples and how he constantly prepared them for his crucifixion and resurrection. He constantly prepared them that he was going to leave. He constantly prepared them that things were about to change. And oftentimes they would question him. And oftentimes they would say, no, Lord, don't say that. And, 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 and they would push back. And 
But the only thing he was doing was trying to prepare them for what was about to come so that they could take their role in being ambassadors for the kingdom. They could take their role in seeing God's kingdom come and his will be done. When you look through John 14 and John 15 and John 16, you see Jesus referencing the Holy Spirit and talking about that. And he, tell, he tells in John 14, 12, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater because I'm going to be with my Father. He's telling them, look, I've been with you. I've encouraged you. I've prayed with you. I've showed you the ropes, but now it's your time to step up. And oftentimes in our life, we want to hold on to the things that God has said, no, it's time to get rid of the bottle. It's time to let go of the pacifier. It's time to stop holding on to mommy and daddy. It's time to stop holding on to grandma and grandpa. It's time to stop holding on to pastor so-and-so and minister so-and-so and evangelist so-and-so. It is time that you get some legs underneath you. It's time that you exercise some faith. It's time that you let go of where you've been so that you can get to where you're going. It is time to trust God and see his hand move. But the lie of the enemy is that God won't fulfill his promises, that he won't fulfill it. Elisha, when Elijah was taken, he had second thoughts for a moment. How many of you have had second thoughts? How many of you have said, man, God, you said it, but I don't see it. God, you promised it, I don't feel it. God, you said, and I don't know. I see some heads nodding, some hands going up. The reality is, is we all be like this, because we've been there. We've gone through it some of you are in that moment right now you're trying to figure out what's this life that I'm living for God all about why did he save you why did he deliver you why did he set you free why did he bring you what's he want to do in your life and the only thing holding you back I'm trying to think of something I won't break The only thing holding you back is familiarity. This is comfortable, God. This is my security blanket. I trust you, God, but I trust you right here. Because over there, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what the, how that's going to turn out. I don't know what they're going to say about me. I don't know if they're going to be there for me. I don't know if I'll have provision over there. I don't know if I'll have peace over there. I don't know how it's going to work out tomorrow. I don't know if they're going to talk about me or they're going to pray for me. I don't know if they're going to love me or they're going to crucify me. I don't know what's going to happen, God, but right here, I know what I got to deal with. I know it may not be where you want me to, God, but I'm comfortable and I'm happy and I'm okay here. Even though things aren't going how I anticipate, I can handle it, Lord, because I've been here so long and I know what it's going to be like. I can push through and I can hang on. But God is saying, look, you don't have to hang on anymore. You don't have to push through anymore. You don't have to stay in familiar. All you got to do is let go because if you let go, you'll get to where I'm taking you. And guess what? When you let go, it's not just for you. It's for others for others Elijah had to let go of his calling and his place on this earth to go to heaven so Elisha could step in Elisha couldn't fulfill his role until Elijah let go of who he was being who God had called him to be and Elisha 
couldn't fulfill what he was called to fulfill until he let go of his familiar. My question to you tonight is what are you willing to let go of to get to where God wants to take you? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to turn away from? What are you willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you now. Okay, God, I'm not going to hang on to what I thought. I'm not going to look at where I was. You know, Paul said, I don't look at the former things anymore. I press towards the mark. I'm not going back to where I was. I'm going forward to where you've called me to be. But you can't go forward if you always look back. God wants us to let go. Can I say something that's going to be really hard for some of you to hear? Are you sure? Because I believe some of you might try to throw stones right now. I was telling Tommy, I said, man, aren't you glad we don't live in the Old Testament where they like stone people to death? Achan did something he wasn't supposed to, messing up all that God had for the Israelites. They find out, take his stuff and stone him to death. Praise God for mercy and grace. He's my father, your spiritual father, the founding pastor of this ministry. He lived an amazing life, done some amazing things. But guess what? Like Elijah, he had to let go. Why? So you could become an Elisha and do what God has called you to do. His role has been fulfilled. He's invested. He's cried with. He's prayed with. He's greased you down like a pig at the county fair with the anointing oil. You know what I'm talking about. Tommy tried to give me some money. Not that much, bro. Not that much. But he fulfilled what God called him to do. And he was willing to lay his life down. Because you know what he said in his last day? I'm ready. God's called me home. I'm ready. But many tried to hold on and keep him here. Because it was familiar. It was comfortable. He was their source. If we hold on to the wrong things, all of a sudden we get the perspective that God isn't needed. But when we hold on to the right things, we understand that God has a perfect plan. He has a perfect plan. And when we hold on to his plan, you'll worship more like you did playing that guitar on your knees. You'll let it rip in ways you've never let it rip. And maybe some may like it. Maybe some don't. It doesn't matter. It's your form of worship. It's what God has called you to do. Think about that. When we stop trying to please people, Irvin, and we start saying, God, I'm all in. I'm yours. Pastor Arthur, when we stop worrying about, you're not going to make it. You're not the same man. You're not as good as you don't have the charisma. You don't have the knowledge. You don't know the people. You weren't meant for this job. Lies. Lies, lies, lies. And God says, Pastor Arthur, I love you. You're a man after my own heart. You've done everything that I've asked you to do. I'm going to use you in a way that you can't even imagine. I'm going to blow your mind. Lives are going to be changed. People are going to be set free and delivered. All because you're willing to let go of one place and go back to another place and do what I've asked you to do. And I'm going to turn it upside down and inside out as you run after me. That's truth. What's God trying to say to you tonight? What's God trying to get to you? 
Where's he trying to get you to stop holding on to something that he doesn't need you to hold on to anymore? I love my father dearly, and I miss him. But I understand the kingdom. And in the kingdom, there's a season for everything. In the kingdom, you've got to let go to go forward. In the kingdom, if you hold on to the wrong thing for too long, it will destroy you. My father's greatest desire for this house, this ministry of you, is to see you be who God created you to be and do what God called you to do. That's why he took the phone calls. That's why he stayed up praying and reading and investing. That's why he ran all over the four corners because he understood something. I have something I have to do. So when my time is called home, I can let go. And he was willing to let go are you? We hope you encountered the presence of God through today's message. We encourage you to subscribe and share this podcast with friends and family. To experience more from Word of Life, you can follow and connect with us through social media at Word of Life NM or visit our website at wordoflifechristian.org. 